we're going to talk about treasured relationships. And we're going to do that in a way that's a little bit different. Um, just want to be uh, sensitive to the right starting point this morning. You know, it's easy just to get up and race into what I want to say. I feel like I have a lot, I need to, a lot of ground I need to cover. But uh, I just want to be sensitive to the groundwork that the Lord wants to establish. You know, we are focusing today on Stand Sunday and what that really means. And you'll hear, uh, you heard from at the beginning, the Danleys sharing a little bit of their story. And um, in fact, Sylvia's we're talking a, a, a legacy, really, when we're talking about uh, Lawrence and Sylvia getting married, Jay and Jen Danley are their kids now as they've married together, uh, and their Darnie is a beautiful little girl from India that they were referencing that they have adopted. And at the conclusion of our service, um, Austin and Dana are going to come, and they're going to share a little bit of their journey and really making a difference, making an impact in another human being's life by inviting them into the most sacred expression that you and I have to offer, and that's the atmosphere of our heart and our home. And you you do realize we live in a day where we've, in many ways, lost sight of the value of uh, the atmosphere of the home. Um, we just it's, it's a very digital world that we live in. Um, the, the idea of coming around a table together to actually establish friendship uh, is something that increasingly have, we've disconnected from. And so a little bit of that, I want us to understand just the basis of how to discover the true treasure in every relationship that exists within our lives. I made this statement uh, a few weeks ago, and I just want to reiterate it. The key to great friendship, the key to a great friendship is kindness at the expense of your own happiness in both people's lives. The key to great friendship is kindness at the expense of your own happiness from both people in the relationship. And when both people are extending kindness, even at the expense of their own happiness, what we're doing then is becoming true servants, sacrificially so. And that causes that friendship, that relationship to flourish. So. Friendship is the basis of incredible marriage, and we're going to talk just a bit about the basis of, of um, incredible marriage and what that looks like. It's a relevant concept, whether you're single or married, um, but I, I just want to reiterate and point out friendship. I want you to think about what these all have in common. Friendship, marriage, children, and plants all have this in common. Friendship marriage, children, and plants, they all reflect the care that they're given. And it is very important that we're giving proper care to that which really matters in all of our lives. I love the way this puts it in the ESV, Romans chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection, and here it is, outdo one another in showing honor. I want to outdo the people around me in the way I love them, serve, give to them, honor them, and dignify them in amazing ways, just as I follow the example of Christ. So what we're going to see today is how, um, uh, I'm going to share with you a story 
And I shared this story in the first service. I had to get permission to make sure that I could share this story. And Jared and Hannah are here. And I just want to honor both of you and say what an inspiration the two of you have been. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about their story. And it's going to, um, we're going to go on a journey and we're look, while, while we're looking at this story. So first I want to explain to you, I had a really unique opportunity just a month and a half ago um, to remarry them. So it's kind of amazing, but they were married and then they went through quite a process of uh, disconnecting and divorcing, and then they remarried on their original date. And so I talked with them a little bit and said, would it be okay if I really shared the details of your story? It's an amazing story. And I said, this is the way I see it. Let me give you my, uh, my rendition first. Jared and Hannah met, fell in love, and got married September 22nd, 2013. The joy of marriage took a turn, and slowly they drifted apart until uh, the pain of their relationship led to separation and ultimately divorce just five years later. God began doing a deep work in both of their hearts. Jared began reaching out to Hannah to pursue the reconciliation of their marriage. Hannah's heart ached at the thought, but God was doing a deep work in her as well. Seven years after their original anniversary day on September the 22nd of this year, Jared and Hannah stood before their four-year-old daughter, Magnolia, demonstrating God's power to restore their relationship as they were married again on their actual wedding anniversary. Can we just celebrate what God did in that situation? So thankful. Now, here's the beautiful um, painful, beautiful, painful, beautiful reality. I, I put that together because what I do is I stand and declare God's Word and many times try to integrate analogy and story to solidify God's Word and, and help us walk out with what I would call anchor points as a communicator. I have an anchor point to really concentrate on that idea. But I thought it was really interesting because when I sent that message to um, Jared and Hannah, I have to concentrate because when I actually did their, their return wedding, I, I pronounced them Mr. and Mrs. Herod and Jana. And it's not Herod and Jana, it's Jared and Hannah. And so I'll try to concentrate through this. Uh, they said that I wasn't the first one to make that mistake, by the way. But if we're not careful, then we... If we're not careful, then we take a story and we package it in such a way that it inspires hope and neglects some of the pieces that actually made that hope possible. And I want, I want you to, to think about this with me because in all of these types of situations, it was a nice little sermon package that I gave you that I, we shared and we celebrated, but it didn't necessarily address the fact that there are multi-layered complexities in every complicated situation that every one of us in this room are facing, much like the layers of peeling an onion, right? And when I shared that story, I thought it was really interesting, and I was really stricken by it. And I'm going to read their full response, and it's going to take longer than I just gave you. Because uh, it was, as I sent that to them, uh, I had all of a sudden... Um, <laughs> I wish I would have never said what I said your name wrong because I'm, I'm really messing it up in my brain. I'm not letting it get out of my mouth. Hannah, Hannah, not Jana, Hannah. And so uh, Hannah struck first and she replied and then uh, Jared 
soon after responded and chimed in. I'm going to read to you what, what they said about the reality of the relationship. Again, sometimes you have to package things into a summary expression, but what the danger is in doing that is then we don't really recognize the fullness of the painful process that redemption sometimes requires. You with me? Hannah said, here's a little more authentic version of what happened. Things were not just fine and dandy from the beginning, and then they fell apart. They were essentially always broken. It's a miracle that we got married in the first place. We did love each other, but we did not love each other well. We got married because it was the next step, not because it was the right timing or because we were in the right place to do so. We were not each other's best friend. We acted more like opposing teams, keeping score, resenting one another for mistakes made, and holding grudges. We had enough good times to stay together for as long as we did, but ultimately that was not enough. We were tithing, we were going to church, but we weren't putting God first or even second or even third when it comes to our relationship, our family, or our individual lives. Jared was numb to me because of the disrespect that I showed him. I was emotionally unstable because of the lack of trust that started early in our relationship. We wanted to be perfect for anyone looking at us, but the truth is that we were the farthest thing from that. When Jared left, I initially prayed for restoration and then completely bailed on that thought a few months later. I had told a family friend that I wasn't going to walk away from my marriage until God released me, but I did walk away. Reconciliation was no longer an option. Uh, this goes on, but how many of you know my version of this story was a lot more encouraging right up front, right? <laughs> this little summarized, capsulized version. Pretty important that we understand the depth of what God wants to do in all of our lives when we're walking out some of the most difficult circumstances we've ever experienced. She goes on and says, Jared attempted a conversation three or four times prior to the time that actually shifted gears for me. I would always ask him what has changed, and nothing had so knowing we don't do well together, I wasn't about to subject myself to it again with no change in sight. Honestly, it's all pretty confusing. How did we get here? When we officially got divorced, not too much changed. We were still trying to co-parent, but it was hard. Somehow Jared got me to agree to meet with him one more time and talk. Uh, this time he was sincere. He admitted he was the most prideful person that he knew, and he didn't want to live like that anymore. For the first time in our conversations, I believed him. I don't know why. It was just the simple fact that his eyes were opening. I was really proud of him. When I think of it in the natural, I go, how in the world could I forgive? How in the world could I try again? And I'm sure Jared feels the same. The mountain looked too big even to attempt to climb or even begin to crawl. Truly, I think God's mercy has been heavily drenched over us. The things in the natural that seem impossible are simply possible only with his grace. It's not something that's easily put into words. It's the peace that is directly tied to and associated, uh, tied to and associated with the day-to-day -day activities, the moments that are the little things. We aren't magically all good now. We are in counseling almost weekly, talking it out, with somebody who isn't biased, who sees the bigger picture. We argue, we disagree, 
but we're gaining the tools here in the natural to gain self-control and to do it better. We're trusting God with the rest, trying to be obedient and to share the truth about his love, his faithfulness, his ability to make something beautiful out of the broken pieces of this thing called life. It's been a, ri a wild ride. Jared chimed in agreeing with what Hannah wrote, and he also said, God is so faithful. His mercies are new and ever-present to us. Each day, we put him as the center of our relationship and now household. We release our worries, our doubts, and struggles to him. We used to just hold it in or deal with it on our own. What a roller coaster it's been. He gave this analogy. It's one of those ones that's really scary because of all the spins and flips, the ups and downs, so you give up out of fear thinking, I just can't do it. I got back on the ride. I strapped myself in as tight as possible and conquered that initial fear. There are still bumps, an occasional malfunction, but they're minor and manageable because we are strapped in tight by God's grace. I just want to thank you both for being so vulnerable in the willingness to really share the reality of what you uh, have walked through in this season, and we just agree for God's continued wisdom as you continue to walk forward in your lives. In the name of the Lord, as a church family, we stand with you guys. You know, relationships simply don't work when two people in the relationship are selfish. The more self-absorbed you are, the more problematic your life will be. There is nothing more painful than two selfish people in a relationship trying to make the relationship work. There's nothing more beautiful than two servants in love that are trying to reflect and glorify God in the way they dignify each other. That's what makes it work. <laughs> And I just feel it's important that we recognize and understand the eternal purpose of God actually produces the sacrifice that we need in this temporal life that we live. It's the eternal purpose of God that awakens our ability to move beyond our own capacity. And that's really about the true treasure of any relationship, whether that's a friendship that you give yourself to, that you feel the Lord has aligned and, and established, um, or whether that's a marriage relationship following the example of Jesus. And this verse of Scripture out of 2 Corinthians 8 is just so profoundly significant for all of us. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? Aren't you thankful for the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? That becomes our standard. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Through his sacrifice, we were saved and redeemed and restored. And then we actually have that example to follow to enrich every relationship that exists within our lives. And it really is our willingness to live sacrificially, putting others before ourselves that glorifies God, dignifies others, and think about it, it validates the kingdom of God that has come in the earth. And our transformed lives speak of the reality that Jesus has come. It's really um, unusual to me. I, I read this statement about William Booth, and I just felt it was a significant tie-in for us to understand uh, today. William Booth is the founder of the Salvation Army. Just incredible uh, impact to the world when he lived on this earth. Uh, at his funeral, 35,000 people came to celebrate uh, his life and to express their appreciation for all that he stood for. 
And this was spoken of him, and I, I've really been just kind of thinking about this a lot in my own life, and I want you to think about it in terms of the relationships in general that exist within your life. William Booth's lifelong love affair with his wife, Catherine, resulted in some of the most beautiful expressions of godly affection in the Christian church. Isn't that remarkable? I mean, does anybody else see the picture of how a marriage relationship, a man who had so much ministry influence and his marriage relationship was one of the most beautiful expressions of godly affection in the Christian church? And then they went on to say, all of his children were deeply devoted to the church and were very involved in ministry. So clearly there was something about their marriage that was born from the place of the fear of the Lord. And when I uh, spoke at, at Her- uh, Jared and Hannah's wedding uh, that night, the restoration moment, uh, the Lord gave me a specific word to prophesy over them. And it's just so tremendous. Listen, folks, you and I are a prophetic company. I just want to challenge you to know God is speaking to you right now. We're actually going to take a few moments in the conclusion of our time together, and we're going to hear the voice of the Lord together. Because there's some things you only learn by putting them into practice. And it's a place of prayer where we're just listening to what God's desiring to reveal. I have a really practical way for you to be able to do that today. And I think it'll be encouraging to you. But I want you just to think about this as we're, as we're reflecting on what. Because when I stand in front of a situation like that um, yesterday with Lawrence and Sylvia, uh, I declared a prophetic word over them of strength, generational strength. They would turn back the battle at the gates in Jesus' mighty name. I mean, I just felt so much the strength of the Lord as I was declaring that word. And, you know, whenever that was in September, with Jared and Hannah, as I stood there, uh, the verse that I gave them is a verse out of Ephesians 5, where there's description of family dynamic and relationship, parents and children, and, uh, and, and husbands and wives. And it says this speaking specifically, going into the context of marriage, submit to one another, Ephesians 5, 21, in the fear of God. Submit to one another in the fear of God. In other words, let your submission and relationship be born for, in your posture and place of fear of the Lord or submission to God. You know, I, I really do love my wife, Tracy. I have to say, 30 years of marriage, um, and we, are, we really are happily married. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not two very intense people. Can I get an amen from my daughter on the front row? Uh, Sometimes we're just having a little conversation, and like, it's for us truly just conversation. And we got a little weenie dog, and he gets scared, uh, and and like, he thinks we're having a fight, and we're just talking about something. What do you think? Do you think of this? No, I don't think so. I think, and so we're both type A, we're both intense, and uh, and we both are communicators, and, 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 but our relationship, it's really interesting because over the course of time, what I've learned is because of my love for Jesus, listen carefully, because I get more surrendered to Jesus in my everyday life, I then love her on a deeper level. And I sense that from her. The more she grows in her relationship with him, the more I sense his love coming through her to me. And what I'm talking to you about is learning how to love the people in your life well, not by becoming a greater lover of the people in your life, but by becoming more surrendered to the greatest lover of all eternity, King Jesus. 
When I allow him to love her and to love my children and to love my friends and to love my church family, then I am so much better than when I'm just doing it at my best because my greatest capacity has no comparison to God's minimal abilities. Uh, There's a scripture resembling that somewhere. And so understand this. I I thought about four-year-old Magnolia and and what she gets to see now in terms of her mom and dad. She was there as a part of this little ceremony, and and it was really just great. But she's going to grow up understanding the story of love, forgiveness, and restoration from an entirely different perspective, having watched that. And I, I want you just to think in terms of the atmosphere, because where we're driving today is to unlock a prophetic atmosphere in all of our hearts and lives and homes. What kind of atmosphere exists within your home? What kind of atmosphere exists within your heart? You know, do, are you a scorekeeper, as they were describing? Do you, do you feel like you're in relationships with people and you're like two teams, or are you really for each other? What kind of atmosphere is coming out of you? Because God wants to address the deeper elements and deeper atmosphere that exists within all of our hearts. And, and when uh, Austin and Dana are going to come, they're going to talk about just the sacred space of the home and what it is to actually adopt children with no parents like they have done. Done and draw them in. Um, you know, we heard that in regard to the Danleys and the way they did that as well. And what atmosphere exists in your, your heart? What atmosphere exists in your home? And how could that impact the people in your life? Think about it in beyond just children, but I want you to hear this analogy, this illustration that I read in this book that I wrote. <laughs> I was just going to leave it at that. But this is actually from one of my books. It's a really good book. You should get it. Here you go. If children live in the atmosphere of criticism, they learn to condemn. If they live in the atmosphere of hostility, they'll learn to fight. If they live in an atmosphere of pity, they'll learn to feel sorry for themselves. If they live in an atmosphere of ridicule, they'll learn to feel shy. If they live in an attitude of shame, they'll learn to feel guilty. But if children live in the atmosphere of praise, they will learn appreciation. If they live in an atmosphere of acceptance, they will learn to love. If they live in an atmosphere of sharing, they will learn generosity. If they live in an atmosphere of honesty, they'll learn truthfulness. And if they live in an atmosphere of encouragement, they will learn confidence. It is God's plan for you and I to experience the presence of God as a way of life, the atmosphere that unlocks kings, priests, and prophets in the house. There's an atmosphere that unlocks the gifts of God within you. And I'm calling to those gifts within you today, declaring, rise up, sons and daughters of God, and embrace all that God desires for you to embrace in terms of the atmosphere of his presence. So important that we understand your devotion life is not just help you get up and read your Bible a little bit. Get in the presence of God. Take some time to hear what God's desiring to reveal in the way you read Scripture. You will become more of who God designed you to be if you will learn what it is to actually experience His presence as a way of life. I want to know this more. I'm not up here saying I've mastered all of this and I've figured all this out. What I've figured out is I need to learn more about this. I want to become more of who God designed me to be. I don't want to be the same man I am today one year from now. I want to be stronger in the Lord. I want to be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I want to be more full to overflowing of everything God desires for me to possess. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better friend. I want to be a better coworker. I want to be a better boss. I want to be a better whatever it is in any area my life. And Jesus is the key to unlocking that. 
within every single one of us, and the atmosphere is vitally important. Genesis 12:2 says, I will make you into a great nation. This is such a declaration for mighty uh, Abraham, and you and I are the offspring of Abraham because we've been adopted in. Everybody say adopted. It's a little bit of a theme today, and I want you to think about it in those terms. Aren't you thankful that God drew you in and adopted you as your heavenly Father and changed everything about your life? And He did so not just so you could enjoy and experience His goodness and faithfulness, but that so you could enjoy and experience His goodness and express that into the lives of others. The plan is, Genesis 12, 2, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. I will bless you and you will be a blessing. He said, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. So what we're doing is we're bringing this emphasis right now, this focus of what it is to bless. And we just put this simple acronym. We've done a publication, and you'll find some by the communion stations if you want to pick up another one of those. But B-L-E-S-S spells bless. And it's pretty simple. Because B just simply stands for begin with prayer. Start your day in the morning by thinking about your day and praying before the Lord about the day to come. Who are you going to see? Uh, you know, what's the plan that you, that you know about? How many of you know there are a lot of unexpecteds every single day? But what you know about, pray through your day. That's B, begin with prayer. L, listen. You have spiritual ears. And I want to challenge you to open your spiritual ears on purpose. Listen to what God would want to say about what you'll experience through the course of the day. Sometimes God wants to prepare you for something very specifically just to confirm the fact that you're his child hearing his voice. How many of you know this is supposed to be our way of life? Anyone who claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did, 1 John 2, 6. Jesus got up early in the morning often withdrew to the lonely places to pray, listen to the voice of the Father and walk that out as a way of life. So first begin with prayer, two, listen, E, eat. How many of you like to eat? Praise God. Eat, eat with somebody. Have coffee with somebody. Get around a table and just have relationship with people that are connected in your life. And then the two final letters, S and S, are pretty simple serve as a way of life through the course of the day. Just look for opportunities to serve. And the final S is story. Understand how to express the story of just who God is in your life and how to express that when you have those opportunities. God is so good. Isn't God so good? Anybody, can anybody tell me right now how you met Jesus? Can anybody just share that? Raise your hand if you could tell how you met Jesus. If, if you don't raise your hand, then, then you can raise your hand in a moment to meet him today. How many of you could tell how you met Jesus? Right? I mean, that's part of your story. Like, man, my story, I, I was talking to our family about my story this last week and some of the crazy pieces of it. I'm just so thankful for the goodness and the grace and the faithfulness of God. B-L-E-S-S. You are blessed to be a blessing. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And this is where we're going to put something into practice. You know, we've said many times before, going to church should not be like going to the movies where you sit and are entertained by the speakers or by the show, but rather it should be like going to the gym where you work out just a little bit. Now, I, wanna, I want you to flex your spiritual muscle because your spirit is kind of like a muscle, and the more you work it, the stronger you become. So you'll see these cards. If everyone would pick up one of those thank you cards on the seats, we put them on every chair so everyone would have them. 
And what I'm going to do as the team will come, we're just going to take a few moments before we do any worship or anything, we're just going to be in the presence of the Lord. The place that activates God's people. And I want you to listen. And this is what I want you to do very specifically. You've got a card in your hand, and I want you to help, uh, I want you to just allow the Holy Spirit to help you know who you're about to pray for. You just pick somebody. Someone will come to mind. You know, uh, so many times we complicate this. But I want you to know it's not complicated to hear the Lord, and it's not complicated to walk with the Lord. Let me ask this. How many of you have ever uh, talked to somebody, and you said something to them, and they said, oh, you have no idea how much I needed to hear that today. Can I just see? How many of that's ever happened to you, right? You have no idea. And I'm convinced of this. God's behind a lot of that, and he does not get the credit he deserves. We think, oh, well, you just came to mind. Well, actually, that was the Holy Spirit illuminating that. And that's the way he works. He brings to light that which you should be thinking about in that moment in time. A word of knowledge, a prophetic word, whatever that looks like uh, in the way you express that. But what I want you to do is just listen. Because the Lord's going to bring somebody to your mind. So who is it that starts coming to your mind? What, what person? Maybe uh, because I've addressed a lot of marriage, maybe it's going to be a spouse uh, focus for you. But, but maybe not. Who is it that the Holy Spirit just brings to mind? Lord, I... I pray that in these moments together, there would be just the deeper appetite unlocked within us to know what it is to truly walk with God. Rescue us from a mindset of showing up to church and watching ministry happen and leaving for a week until we come back to watch more ministry. Help us to understand we are the ministry team, every single one of us. We are the worship team, every single one of us. We are the mobilized army of the living God if we'll pay attention, Lord, to what you desire to reveal. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now, would you just take a few moments and don't just write, but the person that's come to your mind, ask the Lord, What is it that I could share with them to encourage them, to thank them for something specifically? You've got a thank you card in your hand. And I'm going to just give you a few moments just to quietly be before the Lord in this place of prayer. How many of you know you can do this at home? You don't have to do this here, but we're doing this here to help mobilize this as a way of life. And so you're just going to just be before the Lord for a few moments, and and as you sense what the Lord is revealing and speaking, it doesn't have to be big King James language, you know, craziness. Just relax and be you. Use your language. But write what the Lord is stirring in your heart for this person, just in the most simple possible terms. And I'll give you about five minutes just to be before the Lord before we move forward.
just want to be, um, you know, obedient in the moment. And uh, we just want to step into a few moments of worship. But what I'd like to do just first, if you wouldn't mind, just you focused in on just listening, you know, on behalf of somebody else. But would you just pause with me for a moment and listen on behalf of your own self? Just, if you would, just close your eyes and just listen. We must learn to listen as a way of life. God will reveal so many things that we're contending with that we don't even realize are underlying variables if we'll learn to listen. I just feel the Lord prompting me to address the disruption of peace that exists within the hearts and minds of people online, on campus right now. Those of you in this room that sense that, you may not even realize that your peace has been disrupted, but you have to understand how important your peace is to hearing the voice of the Lord. The Bible says in Isaiah, you'll go out with joy and you'll be led forth with peace. Peace serves kind of like a compass, giving guidance and direction in our lives. So it's important that we keep our peace, that we cultivate that, embrace that, find that place where we're at rest. Even in the midst of the storm, we can still have peace. We can have so much peace that is existing within our own heart that out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth will speak peace and calm the storm. But I just sense the Lord asking me to ask you, if you, through whatever circumstances, have been antagonizing you, but they have attacked and in many instances removed the peace that God wants you to possess, then I just want you to stand to your feet and I want to pray for you. I believe the Lord wants to replenish this sense of peace, this shalom peace of God to those that would say, I I feel like I've lost a sense of that peace right now. I just know that it is the peace of God that passes understanding that guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God passes all understanding and it guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. Lord, I thank you just for the willingness to respond by simply standing to our feet and confessing and admitting that there are elements of stress and pressure and distraction and fear, no telling what all may be trying to invade, but we're serving notice on them today in Jesus' mighty name. And we're recovering and redeeming the peace that is a promise from God. Jesus said, my peace I give you. We receive the very peace of God passing all understanding, guarding our hearts and guarding our minds, replenishing Right now, there's a replenishing taking place within you in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's all just stand together in agreement. We all stand together as a family. 
And we say, Lord, make us the prophetic company that you've designed us to be. Help us to learn to celebrate the presence of God in the way we walk through our everyday lives. Help us to wake up and acknowledge that you are there. Help us, Lord, in every circumstance throughout the course of the day to turn our attention and our focus to you no matter what giant may step in our path, no matter what mountain we may encounter, no matter what circumstance might try to take our peace. We look to you. We lift our eyes to you. We are blessed and we will be a blessing. We carry the blessing of God and we will be a blessing everywhere we go. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. We receive it now. In the name of the Lord. Come on, let's press in just for a few moments and declare this song as we sing literally the blessing song. We just receive that blessing coming upon us in Jesus' mighty name.